Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 261 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for Thursday, May 31st, 2012 on today's show. For the entire hour, Dr. Reed Blackbrother will be here, family physician and board member of the American Academy of Family Physicians. We'll be discussing the topic of family medicine leadership and also his recent essay in the AAFP Leader blog, uh, Leader Voices blog. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking about that, and also maybe a little bit about social media because you know this is a podcast, and you know we'll be uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that. Uh, so very excited! It's going to be a fun show here for to you today. Uh, thank you everybody for joining me. All that and a lot more coming up on episode 261 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. Of course, we lead off the show with my good friend Dr. Glenn Stream, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians. Um, this year, one of my commitments and, and a great interest is to be more engaged with you as leaders, chapter leaders, uh, and, and our frontline membership. Uh, on, on Monday, a Twitter handle, I'm privileged to be the first one to hold, uh, at AFP Prez, P-R-E-Z. I already have 29 followers. I feel so proud. Um, I have a long, long way to go to catch up to uh, our current student board member, Kevin Bernstein, who has a little over 1,000. Um, and our, uh, our king of family medicine social media, uh, Mike Sevilla, who has uh, nearly 7,000 uh, members.
welcome to the show that is passionate about medicine and social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. I'm your host. My name is Mike Savella, the anchor man for Family Medicine. I don't know what that means. I think it's entertaining. Hey, this show is by a family physician for the growing family medicine community, of which you are part of now since you're listening to this show. So welcome. Hey, check out my digital library of stuff at uh, FamilyMedicineRocks.com. Shout out to uh, all the people following me on Twitter, all 9,149 people. Thank you so much for that. And also shout out to all the people who like the Facebook page for this website, all 403 of you. Thank you so much for that. Today is Thursday, May 31st, 2012, the end of May already. Can you believe that, kids? It is noon Eastern time, and already here at Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters, it is 67 degrees Fahrenheit, and how's everybody doing uh, today? Uh, get past get, get past your uh, uh, Memorial Day weekend, there, kids. We're coming up to another weekend here, so uh, very excited um, about that. And uh, my guest uh, coming up, he's on hold right now, uh, and we'll be bringing him on here in just a little bit. Uh, my good friend, uh, Dr. Reed Blackwelder. He's a family physician in Kingsport, Tennessee. And he's currently on the board of directors of the American Academy of Family Physicians, who now represent over 100,000 physicians and medical students nationwide. And he has a huge bio here on the AAFP website that would take the whole show to read, but I will... I will grab some highlights there. As a board member, Dr. Blackwelder advocates on behalf of famous physicians and patients nationwide to inspire positive change in the U.S. healthcare system. Outside the AAFP, he serves as a director of the Medical Student Education Division for the Department of Family Medicine at East Tennessee State University's Quinlan College of Medicine in Johnson City, Tennessee, and also a professor of family medicine. Uh, previously served as program director uh, for the uh, program there and uh, for 13 years and uh, remains active on the faculty here. Uh, and for the past 17 years, Dr. Blackwelder has been affiliated with the Westmont uh, Holston Valley Medical Center in Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, his residency practice maintains a vigorous hospital presence as one of the only two family medicine groups that still admit their own patients. Um, also a uh, uh, family, also the only family physician in Kingsport who practices obstetrics and uh, earned uh, the graduate medical de- degree in biology from uh, Haversford College in Pennsylvania and medical degree from Emory University in Atlanta. And a lot of accolades on his bio here. So go to <clears throat> aafp.org to uh, check all that out. And we'll be discussing coming up in just a little bit as well his uh, recent essay in the AAFP Leader Voices blog. You can also go to aafp.org to check that out. The uh, blog post here is from Wednesday, May 9, 2012. It is entitled, Students, Residents, Stand Up and Make a Difference for Family Medicine. Of course, we'll be giving a shout-out to the National Conference of Family Medicine Residents and Medical Students taking place July 26th through 28th. So, uh, very excited about this chat that's been coming up. It's <laughs> it's been fun setting up this chat, which I won't tell you all about because uh, it's a behind the scenes type of stuff. <laughs> um, but first, before our chat here, I want to thank Blog Talk Radio for having me be a featured host here on the network. I've been a social media hobbyist since 2005, and if you're curious, yes, 
I am a real doctor. I'm a family physician in full-time private practice, meaning I see patients five days a week in my office and in the hospital here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. And uh, I think it's time to take our break here. So we will uh, take our break, and uh, Dr. Reed Blackwell will be here right after this break. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. Just go to FM Revolution for more details. And also a big shout-out to the Family Medicine Education Consortium, and you can find them at fmec.net. And also this show is a proud member of the Proba Network of Podcasts. You can get there by going to Pro mednetwork.com Dr. Reed Blackgerardo will be here right after this the show that is the unstoppable force of family medicine this is the family medicine rocks podcast my name is mike sabella and uh, on the line with this uh, my good friend uh is uh, dr reed blackwalder reed welcome to the show there my friend oh it's great to be here mike thanks so much for inviting me and uh opening this uh, door for folks uh so uh before we're, we're going to get into your essay a little bit but uh um i'd like you first to kind of uh, start off by you know we talk about uh social media about telling your story and I'd like you to share your story a little bit read about kind of going back a little bit and uh, kind of just starting out by what kind of drew you towards medicine and medical school in the first place well I appreciate the chance to uh, tell a story because that's something of course I really enjoy as do uh, uh, family physicians especially it's one of our, our strengths so I'll, I'll share a little of mine because I really never wanted to be a doctor. I mean, I, you'll know you'll talk to a lot of people who'll say, "Oh, yes, I knew from the moment I could think." Well, I didn't. Um, I, I was, in fact, determined probably not to be a physician. Um, I'd worked in a hospital as a summer job in college, and really didn't uh, didn't feel pulled from what I saw. I saw some amazing things go on. I met some remarkable people, but it, it didn't really uh, attract me. Um, so I was in college up in uh, Haverford at Philadelphia, as you had said, and. I was working on biology as my major, and I, I did a lot of research there. I enjoyed what I was doing, but then I said, gosh, is this really what I want to do with my life? And, and I realized it wasn't. And so I had a lot of soul searching and talked to family and friends and, and mentors and, and decided that you know, maybe medical school really was a, a way to go. I I'd met some amazing people. I talked with them and, and decided to go ahead and, and apply. So. I, I applied to medical school and was accepted. I went back home to Atlanta, where I was born, and I went to Emory. I had a chance to go to Emory University and uh, was really amazed. It was just a phenomenal experience. The people who know Emory know that the teaching hospital there is Grady Hospital, which is one of those sort of classic, old-style, scary places to hear about, like Bellevue and Cook County. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those you just go, oh my God, and and of course we all, anyone who went to Grady has great stories, and we could tell all kinds of things, and most of them are really <laughs> fairly true, um, but I won't go into those stories. But but I went to, 
I went to Emory, and at the time I was there, Emory was was one of the orphan schools. Did not have family medicine. I didn't even know really? what family medicine was. Oh yeah, I, wow. and, uh, you you did not go to Emory to go to family medicine back when I was was there. So I'm I'm uh, going on my. Uh, I had two amazing experiences. Uh, one of them was uh, when I when I started on junior rotations. I had a chance. I started on OB. So I'm, I'm getting to deliver a baby, and, and just it, it's truly one of the most amazing and awesome experiences ever. And I said, God, this is fantastic. And then I went on other rotations, and I kind of had the same experience. I said, oh, my God, this is phenomenal. I love this. And then somebody came to me and said, okay, you've got to choose. Which of these specialties are you going to do? And I said, but I, I don't want to choose. Can I, <laughs> can I do more? And they finally reluctantly, because, again, this is not a family medicine family place at the time. A lot of changes now right. at the time. They weren't into it. So they finally said, okay, okay, there's this guy you can go talk to in the basement of a building across the street. So, you know, <laughs> in my mind, yeah, what I remember now, I know this is not entirely true, but I remember going across the street to the basement and I walk in. There's a wonderful man named Bob Curry who was in charge of the Physicians Assistance Program, but he also was the one contact for the very rare Emory student who wanted to do uh, family medicine. So he sort of dusted off a book, and we talked, and, and I, I sort of got some insights on how to pursue it. That was that was one aspect. The other one was a phenomenal mentor, uh, a guy named Andy Morley, family physician from, from uh, Decatur, Georgia. In fact, he was one of the leaders of the academy. I did not know that at the time, but he ended up serving on the board of directors. Uh, he was considering running for president-elect of the academy. Just an amazing man. And so I'm sitting sitting there in the middle of uh, between um, sessions at Emory. So this is I think this was actually just before my junior year. I'm a sophomore, and the American Cancer Society created an opportunity. I worked with them as a private doc. Had no idea what family medicine was, as I said. They didn't teach us. So I show up there, and I think on the first day, we're in the office. There's a patient there for a vasectomy. We have patients for health maintenance. We have people with acute problems. Uh, we then go to the hospital the next day and make rounds to the nursing home the next. And again, my eyes just got big. I was like, who is this man? And and what is this experience? Because we were seeing kids and women and doing procedures. It was an incredible experience. And that's really what started me to uh, to go to the path of family medicine. Is, is I, I saw that experience. I saw the impact you can make on, on everybody. And not just on you're not treating diseases, you're treating people, you're treating families. And it was it was a phenomenal opportunity. And if not for that, I'm I'm pretty sure I really would not have gone into family medicine, mainly because I didn't have any other exposure. That really wasn't what I grew up with and it wasn't what was happening uh um in at Emory at the time. So that was probably one of the pivotal moments for me was working with Dr. Andy Morley. So, so when you talk to medical students now or to undergrads or even to high school students or, you know, even your community, you know, what, you know, what, what do you tell them? You know, what, uh, you know, what do you love about your job? What do you love about family medicine? What do you want to share with medical students and undergrads about why you love family medicine? Well, the nice thing about that question is it's so, it, it's so appropriate because that's what I do every day. I am really blessed to, even though Doug Henley, the uh, EVP of the American Academy, says he's got the best job in the world, I'd probably argue a little bit because I think I've got the best job in the world. <laughs> you know, I, I'm still a practicing family doc. I do, I do full scope. I take care of people in the office. I precept the residents. I help run the service. I take call. So I'm doing, doing all the things that a family physician 
can do, but at the same time, I'm getting to teach residents, so folks who've decided to be family physicians get to spend three years in the program, so I get to work with them at one level, and then at the same time, I'm getting to work with students, not only in their clinical rotation, but I get to do an awful lot at the College of Medicine. I've been blessed in the 20 years I've been here to have a chance to be involved in a number of classes during the first year, the second year, as well as the clinical rotation. So every day I'm getting to do exactly what you're asking me. What is it I share? And part of it I hope that comes across is just the, the passion and joy um, of, of what I have found to be right for me and what I want for every student and every resident, but especially students and those are the ones who are trying to decide what they want. I want them to find what, what gives them that energy and that excitement and that passion. And it may not be family medicine. It, it may be something else because we need good physicians in all levels. But what I want to come across is just the, the, the awesome opportunity to take care of people. And they're not at their best. These are not folks. You know, nobody comes and sits in your office for two hours to wait to see you. Or maybe they do. Maybe, Mike, you had this happen where, where you walk in and a patient's been there for a, for a little while and you walk in and they say, Dr. Sevilla, I, I don't have a problem today. I just wanted to thank you for being you and for all the wonderful care you, you give. And I don't even <laughs> mind paying for today's visit. You know, just, I, so it may happen to you. That doesn't happen to me very often. Um, so what happens is people come in and they're sick and they're scared. And, yeah, they, maybe they're healthy and they want to share things. But the joy of, of this specialty is the opportunity to always have that door be open. Um, it's not a situation where because you're the wrong age, you're, you're, the, you're a different sex, you have the wrong body system involved, the wrong organ, wrong part of the hospital. Every day, everybody's story that I get to be a part of and listen to and share is a real one that's ongoing that I can add to consistently. And I don't know any other specialty that lets us do that at that level. And that's what makes it so powerful because if, if you – if you really click into this and you're, you, you love the stories and you love the patients, you realize what you get to do with them, then every day is fantastic. Every day, even their heart and, and the challenges, and it's not always, you know, I'm a, I, I, obviously I'm an optimist, but, uh, and I have bad days too, but at the end you sit back and you realize that people have let you be a part of things. And that's what I want to share with students because I just don't think there's another specialty that lets you do this to that extent anywhere. A real, a real honor and a blessing to be a part of it. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I'm not at a teaching hospital, but uh, you know, I do have students come to my office and, and to let people know if it, people don't know already. I mean, you know, I'm in, I'm in full-time private practice, you know, and uh, you know, see patients every day and, and uh, at the hospital and in the office, and sometimes we have uh, students that come in, and uh, it's it, it's fascinating to to share with them what I love about this, and uh, um, you know, they, you know, obviously, you know, students, you know, we all you know, had, uh, you know, uh, different decision points along the way and different experiences. And, and just, you know, like you said, there are some students who come in and say, I want to do this. And and uh, other students who are like, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just want to learn as much as I can and, and uh, it'll, I'll find my way along. And uh, it's fascinating being part of that process um, from the education piece to to help, you know, just, you know, just show students what we do best. Um, and, and, and when we, you know, work with patients, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's great, you know, having, you know, especially, you know, the, uh, some people hate it, but I mean, it's, I think it's fascinating having, you know, two or three generations in the same exam room and trying to, 
trying yeah. to sort all that out or say, oh, you know, I know you're here for your sinus infection, but, you know, how how's your dad doing after he lost his job? Or how, you know, how, how's grandpa doing after grandma died? I mean, it's just trying to 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 help, you know, these these people in my community here, uh, you know, do the best that they can. It's not all about medicine. It's all about relationships and trying to trying to help them along. And uh, you know, the relationships that you build with these patients are just so so powerful. And it's and uh, I, I, it's, it's difficult to convey to students sometimes. But but when when I do have students that come back to my office, you know, time after time after time again, it's it's interesting seeing their light uh, their eyes light up when they see. Oh, I saw that patient last time, or I saw this patient the last two times and you know they're in the room a little bit longer than what they should and because they're a student they're trying to catch up and um so it's it just it's fascinating trying to you know share some of these nuggets of information and 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 it's more about it's more than medicine it's it's it's, it's about a, a lot of different things and i you know obviously i i share your passion for this and, it, and it's great hearing people actually talk about and 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 share you know why they why you know they love our specialty so much it really is, and you said some really important things I wanted to repeat. It is about relationships, and I think that's something that you know, all physicians are good at that. We have good rapport skills in general. What's sad is that somehow over time a lot of physicians lose those because that's what happens with bedside manner. It goes away, or at least it's different. And I think one of the areas that it happens is we forget it's about relationships, and we stop taking care of people sometimes in very subtle ways. And one of the the messages I try to give all the students that I work with, and I repeat it constantly because it, it's, it's not a lesson that people learn easily, we don't treat diseases. We don't treat numbers. I don't treat cholesterol. I don't treat high blood pressure. I treat people. And so we have to remember that at all times. We don't take care of a chest pain in room three. It's always a patient with chest pain. And every day, almost every day, I have an opportunity sometimes with experienced family physicians, sometimes with my residents, sometimes my faculty, to hear, hear one of them refer to, uh, you know, you've got hypertension in your office, and I'll say a patient with hypertension, because that's the slippery slope that I think people don't see early on. The moment you start referring to people as a diagnosis or a number, you're starting to change that relationship. And that's what we really need to maintain. And the key for students is, is also finding a hook for them. And so another thing for, for students that come and work with you and me is we have something for every medical student, really. Because it, exactly. it doesn't matter what the student is interested in, if you're a family physician, you are likely touching every other specialty in some way, shape, or form in your office, in the hospital, in something that you do. So I tell my students, even if they're like right now, I just have the end of the junior year students. I just spoke with them last week. They're fantastic students, but all but one decided in this group of, of six that they were not going into family medicine. So for the five who were not going into family, I said, look, this is your last clinical rotation, but it should be something you love because one guy likes ER. Well, we're in the ER all the time. Uh, somebody else was, likes peds. Well, we take care of pediatric patients. You know, so we ran down the list, and they, I think they suddenly went, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think about that. And that's when you never know you're going to have an aha moment because I've occasionally gotten students even late in their career. They suddenly come and work with with uh, us in our program or with me, and they go, wow, this is something I love. And so in that way, I'm trying to follow in the footsteps of my mentors like Andy Morley, where I saw something in clinic. He he showed me an opportunity, and it took a little while for him to see the results, but I went right through that door into family medicine and never looked back. 
Uh, yeah, and it's uh, I. Uh, it's always fascinating uh, listening to people talk about their mentors because it's just like it's uh, uh, their eyes light up and and you know a, a lot of the qualities are the same, but it's, it's just you know how that person uh, conducted themselves or presented information or uh, it, it's fascinating uh, just talking with people because there's always. You know, especially in family medicine, there's always a mentor out there, at least two or three or something like that, maybe at different stages in your professional or personal life, uh, where you say, hey, this person really impacted me. Um, and, you know, probably the highest compliment is to try to emulate what they did or emulate what what inspired uh, them, uh, what inspired you about them. And uh, it, it's great uh, talking about uh, mentors. Yeah. Well, it's, again, it's about relationships. And, and we value that and we see it and we know that. Uh, this is passing it forward. You have an experience; it meant something to you. You saw the power of, of a mentoring relationship. Uh, uh, you know, other cultures are good at recognizing the power of elders, and we find ourselves suddenly in those in those positions and have that opportunity. And I think all of us are, are eager to have that impact. The interesting thing is, you never know. You don't always know when it hits somebody, and it could be when they're a student. It could be when they're a resident. It could be when they're coming in with their parent, and you suddenly impact them in a way that they make a different choice in college and move forward. And and when you find out about it later, that just brings that storyline back around to you. You'll, you'll have that connection, that relationship, and a few years later somebody comes back and fills in the blanks, and you suddenly go, my gosh, and realize what an impact you had on somebody. That's that's one of the best things about this job is knowing that that, that could happen at any time. And even if you don't know it, you're still impacting people. It's what we it's what we're about. My uh, guest on the line is uh, Dr. Reed Blackwelder, uh, family physician and uh, director of the AEFP uh, board of directors. Uh, follow him on Twitter. We'll get talking about uh, social media in a little bit, but uh, his Twitter handle is Blackwelder MD, and uh, we will be talking about. Uh, social media in a few minutes. But first, uh, I do want to jump into your essay that you wrote here on the AAFP Leader Voices blog, and people can check it out at aafp.org. The uh, essay is from Wednesday, May 9, 2012, so people can uh, take a look at that. The title is, uh, Students and Residents Stand Up and Make a Difference for Family Medicine. Um, and uh, actually, Rita, I'll, I'll, I'll read a couple paragraphs here, and then uh, then we can kind of jump into uh, discussion of this. So it, uh, this is like paragraph uh, three here. It says, uh, advocating for family medicine, however, is not just a role for the elected leaders of the AEFP. Everyone can play a role, particularly medical students and residents, because you are our future. Each of you can take part in the discussion that is developing about the future of healthcare. The resulting decisions will affect how you practice medicine, regardless of specialty, and how your patients receive care. Advocacy is not a routine part of medical school or residency training, yet one of the most important duties a physician is is to advocate. You are an advocate for your patients, your practice, your community, and your specialty. It is critical that as an advocate you are informed and active. It's never too early to get involved. Now is the time for you to find a way to be connected on a regular basis. Uh, so, Reed, what, I mean, uh, I kind of know or kind of can kind of guess the origin of, of this uh, essay, but what, why did you pick this particular topic to write about? Well, a number of different reasons, and uh, one of them relates to the uh, next chapter of some of my involvement because I got into family medicine 
Um, I went through medical school and family medicine, and I will tell you that I had absolutely no instruction, uh, leadership, suggestions, mentoring, whatever, from those experiences about advocacy, about being involved in making changes. And this was some time ago. I mean, I'm, you can see I got a lot of gray hair, so I've, I've gone through a lot of changes. <laughs> uh, but, but even then, the, the, a lot of people make decisions that impact health care for people and how physicians practice, and we're all definitely recognizing that fact now. So I went through my experiences with no training, and I'm a, a chief resident at the Medical College of Georgia in family medicine. And one of the perks of being chief resident is I got to go to this American Academy of Family Physician National Conference of Family Medicine Residents. And I asked one of my mentors there, I said, well, what's this about? And I said, oh, you just go. It's, you know, we pay for it. It'll be a good time. So I went, and I said, oh, my God. Once I was there, I, I had one of those aha moments. I said, this is incredibly important. These are, are students and residents from all over the country who are coming together, many of them like me, not really understanding anything, and we suddenly realize we have an opportunity to address things, to ask questions, to direct folks in our specialty about issues of which we felt were critically important to address. And, and the, the recognition that the American Academy allowed students and residents to have a voice, in fact, uh, we often refer to the students and residents as the conscience of the academy because they, they often are right on target with really important things that sometimes after you've been involved for a while you don't see as clearly. So I, I was able to be that, and I, I got so fired up. I came back, and first off, I was upset. I said, how can you not tell me what this is about? Uh, and actually, <laughs> after, I was like, you can't just send people here. So that that's when I got the advocacy bug. It was right then. I was in Georgia. I was finishing up residency. I stayed and did a one-year fellowship, which allowed me to run for um, one of the delegate positions for the residents at the time, um, and that started my path. So I was I was involved nationally. I got to apply for commissions. I got to be um, on commissions and chair commissions over the years, and I, I took that back to the state. I got involved at the state level, and so over time, I suddenly realized uh, there's really a lot that needs to be done. So taking that, I've certainly built my career, and, and you can read it on the bio and see I'm, I'm blessed and honored to be on the board of directors. But the, the key here is that you cannot have the advocacy for a specialty or for what this country needs in terms of true health care just by a few people who are in boardrooms. It can't even just be the Congress. This has to be something that every physician, regardless of specialty, but especially in family medicine, has to be a part of because decisions are made that impact us. I mean, so many examples, whether it's TennCare, my state of Tennessee, that's our, our Medicaid, um, whether it's abbreviations that make no sense to people. You know, this isn't the format to try to explain what SGR is or those kinds of acronyms, but they're huge. And so I decided I needed to do a lot when I got to residency and then lately as I took over the Medical Student Education Division. So what I have done is to start to create opportunities, and it's mainly for the juniors, although I, I work with the first and second year students too. I now have, as part of our family medicine intro lecture, a basic primer on advocacy and why it's important regardless of specialty choice. And without fail, every student that, that uh, sits down with me during this junior lecture is going, oh, my God, how come we didn't know? How come nobody told us about this? 
And so what I wanted to do with this, with, with my blog, was to take what I was experiencing in my own world with my students and my residents, and try to take it to a, to a higher level and just challenge anybody who's uh, in family medicine or thinking about family medicine to get involved. So, so my blog had a number of links on places that people can go. I, I tried to indicate, or I indicated in the blog, the the uh, student and resident reps, so that people would have immediate mentors, and just tried to direct. Uh, anyone who's interested to some opportunities. Because if you don't know how to do this and you just jump in, it can get overwhelming. Who do you talk to? How do you make an impact with, with legislators? Uh, unlike these meetings like the National Conference where uh, you, you were mentioning it earlier, any one of us can go up to Dr. Glenn Stream, our current president, or, or Jeff Kane, our president-elect, and have a real conversation with somebody who's going to pay attention to you. And that you don't have to call and make an appointment and get a you know, get a get a 10 minutes here or there, you can talk to them. How do you do that with your state and your national representatives? It's a very different ballgame. And what I was trying to do and what I, I hope to be able to do is to tell people this is this is as as detailed and as complicated as you want it to be. You can get to my level uh, being on the board of directors where you actually are sitting down with the, the, the legislators directly, or you can just take a few minutes maybe every couple of weeks and log into a site um, to use social media, to use other websites, find out what's going on, and then send a letter, send a note, link people. Knowledge is power. We have to share knowledge. We have to tell people where information is, and we have to help people find their voice as we move forward. So a very long answer to your question, but um, <laughs> again, hopefully you can hear that the passion for advocacy is there as well because this is, this is our future. We absolutely have to have a voice. No, absolutely. I mean, kind of my you know, first exposure to, you know, organized medicine, you know, what was this, you know, national conference when, when I was a student and, and, uh, you know, I've told the story many times and, you know, when, when you're a student, when you first start going, you know, you, you go, you know, for you know, just to have fun and, and, you know, and, and to you know, maybe go to some of the hands-on type of clinics and sessions and to try to, you know, uh, learn some cool things. Um, and then there's some point in there where, uh, at least for me, I started to drift over, you know, to what are called business sessions or where they talk about policy and things. And and I was like, well, what are they talking about over here? There's all these people that are like really like passionate and yelling and screaming and, and doing you know, a lot of different things. Uh, and I'm like, what is this all about? Uh, and they were talking about, um, you know, issues that are important to communities, issues that are important to patients. And I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. Um, and then, you know, I started talking with people and started networking with people. And they say, uh, you know, did you know, you know, that this, you know, huge medical organization, they allow um, medical students and residents to influence policy for this huge national organization? I was like, Really? Why, why do they do that? Are, are they dumb? Like, are they they're, they're letting like students like try to guide some of the policies? This is really interesting. So that I mean, that's kind of how I got hooked in. And and um, and, and I've told this story before. Is that you know, it, it took me until my last year of residency uh, for my friends to v physically push me onto the podium uh, to do a speech. Um, and I did it kind of out of spite to them. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this two minute speech. Um, I'm going to lose, I'm going to fail, and then we're going to all have a good laugh about it later. Uh, so I'm just doing this for you people, so you people just shut up. <laughs> so 
So I go up there. I go up there. The most scariest two minutes of my professional life up to that point. Uh, and then there was a question and answer for, for a resident delegate, similar to your path there, Reed. Uh, and I actually won. And I was like, wow. And then after you win, uh, there's all these academy people, you know, like president-elect and president and all these board members, you know, uh, people with these big red ribbons that they still have them on. They come and say hello, and I was like, wow, uh, uh, okay, hi. Um, I'm totally intimidated right now, uh, but thank you. It's very nice what you're saying. <laughs> uh, and, and that's kind of how my path uh, started there, too. And it's uh, uh, it's it's interesting going through that and, and, you know, like what you and I do now, Reed, is like we're, you know, we're, we're kind of giving back, paying it forward, however people want to say it, to try to, you know, help people along who have a lot of energy but don't are not familiar with the structure, not familiar with how we do things. Uh, we have to, you know, tell them to be patient because, you know, policy change can be uh, slow and ugly and tedious. Uh, but if you do it right, then at some point you'll be able to see uh, the results of, of what your work is. That's absolutely right, and one of the one of the recurring phrases, um, and Dr. Mike Fleming was one who used this early on when he was president of the academy, uh, is I think a statement that's still true today, and there's several variations on the theme. And that statement is, if if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And in many ways, while we as physicians are most value the relationship with patients and taking care of patients, you do have to go next door and listen to the business lectures and listen to the political lectures because that's where the menu is being determined. That's where things that impact our ability to have our relationships with patients are being decided. Uh, whether or not you're going to get paid enough to meet your overhead, um, a number of those kinds of factors. And so I think that's one of those guiding uh, beliefs is we, we have worked and talked and advocated and as especially have gotten better and better at it that we truly are now at the tables. We are being asked direct questions by the people who make decisions and that is, that's never happened before. It really is a remarkable um, opportunity for us to finally be uh, uh, part of the policy information gathering. We're not getting to set policy easily, but we're at least a part of the discussions now. And we're, this is where we have to be. And what I've been saying is it's nice to be at the table, but where you really need to be is in the kitchen where you can not only be creating the menu but doing the cooking. And that's really the next step for us as family physicians is we really can't just be outside waiting for things to be served. We've got to move on in uh, to a place where we can be part of deciding what's there on the menu, what's going to happen in terms of true health care reform, not just health insurance reform. And this is, this, just as an example of this happening, this is the second year in a row, but a key congressional committee asked for the American Academy of Family Physicians' views on ways to improve quality and efficiency of Medicare physician payments. Um, this, is, this is a phenomenal opportunity, the House Ways and Means Committee. It wasn't but a couple of years ago that nobody knew what family physicians were, Nobody cared, and now everybody talks about family medicine. They talk about primary care. They don't always quite know how what that means. You know, the definition of primary care is fascinating, but the people in power are now talking about family physicians with knowledge, and they're starting to recognize what what we can provide. So this is a golden opportunity, which is another reason I really want everybody listening, everybody. Uh, who's who's uh, tweeting in, everybody who checks on Facebook, 
anybody who looks anywhere finds a way to become engaged. You've got to find out what's going on. You've got to connect with people, and then you've got to speak out about what's on your mind. We're not all going to agree, but we all have to be part of the conversation. Um, I did want to dip a little bit into um, health policy type of issues and maybe even uh, tracking back to the Family Medicine Congressional Conference that just took place earlier this month. But I did want to give a a big plug to uh, the National Conference of Family Medicine Residents and and Medical Students taking place July 26th through 28th um, in Kansas City, Missouri. You can check it out at aefp.org slash nc. And I know our good friend Kevin Bernstein, he's uh, listening to the show live here right now. He's a resident chair obviously a huge family medicine advocate and also social media advocate, which we'll talk about a little bit, and also Sebastian Tong, the the, uh, the, the student chair. And uh, I, they're going to have a huge, I think, uh, social media presence uh, coming up uh, for the meeting. Very excited to be there. I know I'll be there, and you'll be there at the student resident meeting. Um, and it's, it's be very exciting. It's very exciting uh, uh, attending uh, now <laughs> and, and seeing kind of all the changes that have uh, taken place uh, to the meeting, to the structure, uh, but it's still the same people that are there as far as the same energy, the same passion, the same caring for patients, uh, curiosity about family medicine. I just can't say enough about uh, a natural conference. Uh, wouldn't you agree there, Reed? Oh, absolutely. As I said, that was where I, I suddenly saw the light. You know, so it was, a, it was an epiphany. And it, the energy is phenomenal, and the opportunity to, to just be with like-minded people to uh, to be engaged with the leadership of family medicine and and also good education. So there's something for everyone. You can go there and, and get some excellent educational pieces. You can have a gentle entry into the politics and the business aspects. And m- many of the leaders that you've mentioned and even those we, we've not talked about got their start at one of those major conferences, and that's probably one of the most common ones for the leaders of today got started uh, years ago. So our leaders of tomorrow are coming to the sessions now, and we probably have a future president-elect of the American Academy who will be there this July, and we'll have an opportunity to talk with those people as they're starting their path. It's an amazing opportunity. I can't I can't speak enough for it either. Um, I guess on the line here is uh, Dr. Reed Blockwalder, a family physician uh, from Tennessee and a director of the uh, one of the directors of the AFP uh, Board of Directors. Um, and I just want to take a, just a, a little bit of a point here. Um, uh, about uh, advocacy, um, you know, past the, the resident level, at the attending level for, for community docs, for, for docs, uh, academic docs, docs that are out there um, right now. Um, and, you know, when, when you talk to AAFP members who are out there um, and they said, Reed, you know, I'm just, I'm just too busy in my office or I'm too busy with my professional job. It's, it's difficult for me to try to be an advocate for my patients um, or my community. What kind of advice would you, would you give to them to at least, you know, try to, to get a little bit engaged or, or to try at least learn more information, you know, about what the issues that are important to the academy are about? Well, I think the, the connections are all around us and, and hard to ignore, uh, so a lot of times if you just sit and say, well, do any of these things impact you? Uh, Medicare payments, um, uh, finding another partner to come in and take the place of your retiring partner, um, what's happening in, in, in Medicaid within your state. And obviously all of those things are critically important to any physician. 
So the issues are there. The, the, the harder hurdle is the one you describe. It's not saying why this is important. It's either overcoming the feeling that you can't make a difference, you know, that sort of trained helplessness that we all suffer from at times, we really do, or the feeling that it's going to be too much and it's going to be overwhelming. So one of the things that I'll recommend to people, and I'll, I'll ask them, I'll say, okay, um, don't worry about advocating yet, but you need information. If you're going to be a successful physician, there is a business component, where do you get your information? How do you access what you need to be able to make good business decisions? And a lot of us don't really access well. We kind of get thrown into business. It's not part of medical school and residency training either. So I, I use that as a chance to talk about some tremendous resources. And I, I will use the American Academy of Family Physicians website uh, as a main starting point because many family physicians are members. We represent 105,900 uh, members now. I mean, it's a tremendous and growing number. Uh, one in every four medical students is a member um, of our Hello. <laughs> uh, hello. He may have just uh, got. He got so excited that uh, he may have uh, hit the mute button, or we may have uh, lost him. Uh, but I'm going to keep talking here, and uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see if uh, he's able to uh, call back in, or if he is able to uh, kind of. Uh, figure out that we have uh, lost the uh, connection. So uh, that's one of the things when you um, start to uh, get really excited about things, uh, that sometimes you may accidentally hit the, uh, <laughs> hit the hang up button um, or, uh, you know, pull the, uh, <laughs> pull the uh, <laughs> uh, phone out of the wall or, uh <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I just, I just want to, you know, just, just kind of emphasize what he's saying is that, you know, that you know, when you're at, when you're busy, uh, you know, when you're a busy doc, um, and you're asking people to, you know, make phone calls or to write letters and things that can be very overwhelming, uh, for people. And, um, uh, you know, I, the first thing is to, uh, um, First thing is to learn, you know, what the important issues are, you know, up to the minute, up to the second, um, because, you know, things change, can change very quickly uh, when it comes to that. Uh, and, um, you know, the AFP website is, uh, you know, the first place to uh, kind of uh, uh, learn some of the information. Um, I do want to mention the uh, AAFP News Now uh, which uh, is obviously updated on you know a constant uh, basis, um, and people can sign up uh, for weekly um, uh, kind of updates uh, that that gives you kind of the uh, news of the week, uh, and um, uh, so uh, so that is the the first place to kind of look at things and, and to try to learn some of the uh, the information. Um, you know, another thing is, is to talk to your colleagues. You know, what, what you know, what do they think of some of these issues? Um, you know, obviously in your own little community, uh, politics is local, and you can kind of not only learn what some of the national issues are, but uh, you can um, you can learn uh, you know what are the important things that are happening in your community, uh, and uh, that is very important uh, to know as well because you know what's happening. In one community, or, or what's happening in one state, um, you know, could be very different than happens in another community um, in another state. 
So, uh, so advocacy is very important at all levels. You know, whether you're a you're a medical student or you're a resident, um, and or you know even past that, you know, a fellow or an attending physician, um, you know, a community physician, somebody in academics. Uh, so, so it's very important, uh, very important for that. So hopefully uh, Reed will be able to uh, call back in here a little bit because after uh, after we got uh, cut off there for uh, for some reason, uh, but um, but again I want to give a big uh, again a, another big shout out to the uh, American Academy of Family Physicians the Family Medicine uh, uh, National Conference of um, Family Medicine residents and uh, medical students that uh, is uh, taking place here. Um, on uh, July uh, 26th through 28th in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, and um, <clears throat> and I, I'm going to read uh, part of his essay here too. I encourage you to come to the national conference uh, on June 26th through 28th. Uh, contact your chapter for information about representing your state um, as a delegate to either the uh, resident or student uh, congresses. Delegates play an important role in writing resolutions. Uh, and debating those resolutions during the uh, resident and student congresses. Uh, some resolutions go on to be uh, considered uh, at the AAFP uh, Congress of Delegates, which is the uh, policy-making uh, body of the, um, um, of, the, uh, of the academy. Um, and uh, I think he is trying to call back in here. He... Uh, not popping up on my switchboard here. Uh, let's see. Let's see here, kids. Maybe it's something on my end over here that is uh, happening. This is one of the beauties of uh, live radio. <laughs> uh, let's see Mike. here. Hello, Mike. Hello. Yeah, are you there? Yes, Mike. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. We were not connected. Hello. <laughs> so hello. I, I don't know uh, what part of my incredible brilliance we got cut off, but darn it. <laughs> so it was I was really waxing. Good. I was uh, waxing eloquently. Oh my God. So I truly don't know where where we were, but I'm happy to to pick up and ramble on. But that's uh, okay. Uh, well, we just uh, we have a few minutes left here. One, I, I do want to talk about the the social media piece here because that's yeah. the, the fun portion. And, and kind of the reason why we're both here today is is kind of discussing uh, this uh, on the uh, on the internet. And I know that you you and I have uh, talked offline as well. Uh, maybe share a little bit about um, you know your your social media story as far as uh, um, you know how you know how you got interested in it or or that type of thing. Well, uh, what what started was uh, at annual leadership forum. So another great opportunity for family physicians to get together in the national. Um, uh, conference of special constituents. So uh, this was one year ago, and this is actually, Mike, probably when you and I first kind of started to interact, um, at least in, in uh, with a lot more face-to-face -face and, and connection, and Kevin Bernstein, who you mentioned, who was the student board member. And I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm watching this weird process. Kevin is a master at at, uh, at Twitter, and I'm going, what is this? 
and I'm watching as we're sitting in on a on a on a lecture, a great workshop, and he's taking notes. But what he's doing is taking notes in little blocks that he then sends out. And afterwards, I talked and, and got a, a really remarkable insight to, you know, he, he's basically sending information for what's going on, the key points from his lecture to anybody who maybe couldn't attend, they could access it. And at the same time, people in the lecture I wanted to go to that I couldn't were doing the same thing. So I suddenly said, this is a phenomenal aspect. And so we started talking, and in fact, one year ago at at that conference, uh, the board was essentially challenged to get involved on social media. And so we're family docs. We tell stories. It's about relationships. It's about connections. Then this was a way of connecting. So I made it a personal commitment to try to do what I can to to start using that more. I'm, I'm on Facebook some, but I found a way to get my my uh, tweets onto Facebook, and I decided with your your uh, mentorship on how to how I wanted to create a presence. I'm trying very hard to continue to help people get information about important political issues, advocacy components create links for people to be up on what's happening. And over the past year, I've, I've had a fantastic experience and, and really have reached out to people I will, may never have connected with otherwise. So that's been one of my challenges and, and part of, of my push for students, residents, fellow board members. In fact, I'm proud of us. I think every board member is now on Twitter. We're, we're not all active on it. Uh, at the same level, but everybody's there, and that's a starting point. Getting people to be connected is is really the starting point. So I've had a I've had a great experience in and sort of watching what you do and Kevin does and Russell Cole and other. He was the new physicians board member before and the current board members, and this is this is sort of a natural progression. So congratulations. One year ago, you and your peers challenged us. Here we are, one year later with all the board members on Twitter, many of us using Facebook, many of us connecting real time with what we're doing, and here, here are you and I talking about it. I mean, that's kind uh, of a, a, a nice closure of a circle. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of the work was was uh, was done by Kevin, and uh, you know, it's uh, inside the boardroom, and uh, kudos uh, to him, and uh, uh, you know, w- what's uh, what's been done in in a relatively um, you know short period of time, and, and I know that you read of helped to get the rest of the board members at least signed up uh, for for Twitter, and um, you know, to at least to have them. At least listen. You know that, that that's what I tell people that the first step in social media um, is, and in fact, in any, any type of type of conversation is to listen to see what what the conversation is before kind of jumping in um, half-heartedly. And uh, uh, so I and I really I'm very encouraged um, you know, that the academy has taken this step as well, and 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 seeing the value of of social media. Uh, not only as a, a communication tool, a, a, a communication tool that goes outbound, but 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 you know have it it's a two-way communication with members um, to get information out and to listen what is going on um, from the membership type of standpoint, what's going on in different communities, what's going on in different states, um, and and there's nothing like you know having a bunch of geeky and semi-geeky family docs coming together at a meeting and uh, just kind of tweeting the whole thing out uh, and, and seeing the, the power of that um, and, and uh, having people at home who are not able to come to the meeting because of their practice or because of the professional situation, like, like you said, Reed, still feel engaged, still feel yeah. like that they're part of the meeting uh, and able to, uh, to contribute. Well, one of the challenges for for um, all of us, especially as family physicians, and I, one, one of the things I was saying when we were cut off is every physician has an opinion. I mean, have you ever met a doctor who does not have an opinion? 
So we, we all, in fact, we probably have several opinions about the same That's topic. Right. So the challenge for us is where's our comfort level for being involved? And what we need to, to move away from is just sitting among ourselves with the people we already know, uh, complaining about what's happening and not being willing to do something. So your comfort zone, is it just becoming more informed? That's powerful. If you have better information, you can get away from fear, and, and that's being used a lot in making political decisions. So you can get toward informed decision-making. If you want to, then you can just use speak out. And if there's a pre-drafted letter on important issues. You maybe don't want to spend a lot of time, and maybe you don't edit it much, but maybe that's what you do. Maybe the next step is you say, you know, I'm going to go ahead and send a letter or two to my own state representatives. I'm going to make it a point to meet them. Maybe the next step is you come to one of our conferences, like the Family Medicine Congressional Conference. We had people from all over, folks who are not the usual leadership folks necessarily in the academy. Of course, there were a lot of those. But these are people who have made that step to say, it's important for me to leave my community to come to D.C. to talk to my reps about SGR, about things I don't normally deal with, like GME funding or Title VII these are critical issues. And the Academy, at, I don't know if you talked about the FMCC, the Congressional Conference, but there, people in a very short time, staff was able to inform family physicians from all over with different issues about core issues, help us focus our discussion with our representatives. We had another day on the Hill where family physicians from all over the country were speaking with one voice about key issues there's so much power there, and it doesn't take much. You just have to get people over that hurdle of feeling, I can't make a difference. Yes, you can. And that's what I really hope we can do, and that's why I really appreciate you and everyone else who's helped us find ways of using social media to create those connections and those relationships and, and find our voice better. Great. Uh, we're coming close to our to our hour here, and uh, Rita, I'll let you – Share some closing thoughts after I, I thank you for being on the show. This is uh, Dr. Reed Blackwalder, and uh, follow him on Twitter. He's uh, Blackwalder uh, MD uh, on uh, Twitter. Uh, I'm very, uh, very happy with your progress uh, doing that, and uh, it's been it's been great seeing seeing you blossom on uh, social media. But as we close up the show here, Reed, uh, do you have any closing thoughts for us as far as you know advocacy or family medicine or or anything else that you'd like to to say before we close up the show here today? I think I'll just repeat some one of the core messages, which really is, if you do nothing else, link in some way, shape, or form, social media, AFP website, the Commonwealth Fund, whatever you use, become informed. So use information rather than fear and dogma. The second is you have a voice. It's important that it's heard. And find whatever is comfortable to share that voice. And there's so many opportunities. I do think those of us in social media create them. The AFP website has several. Um, even if all, you, if all you do is send me a tweet to say, this is an important thing, I'd like to know more, or you reach out to somebody who you see as a mentor, we've got to continue to build our relationships. We've got to continue to speak. And uh, yeah, things like social media and, and Twitter created Arab Spring, Spring and changed the world. And now we need to change our world of how family medicine is practiced in this country and how medical education occurs. And this is our opportunity. So uh, this is one of those where let's all gather together and, and move forward. It's a, it's a tremendous opportunity. Uh, Dr. Reed Blackwelder, thank you so much for uh, for being on the show and, and to, to sharing your story and sharing your thoughts on all these uh, different issues. I'll, I'll probably be seeing you next at National Conference in, in July in uh, Kansas City. We can continue the conversation there. But thank you so much uh, today for the time there, sir. 
Well, thank you so much. I've had a blast. I appreciate your professional way of handling the glitch, and uh, sorry I missed out on that, but thanks again for, for giving me this opportunity to talk with you and your listeners. Great. Uh, have a great day, and we'll talk very soon, Reed. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Okay. All right, dear kids. So uh, that is why that is why I love uh, <laughs> live radio here on the Internet. <laughs> That's why all of my shows are always live, because you can kind of see me uh, walk the uh, tight wire and high wire here as uh, glitches uh, happen. And uh, glitches like that happen, to happen in, in a while. Uh, probably was something on my end or Block Talk Radio or something like that. But uh, but hey, you know I am Family Medicine's anchorman. I am your broadcast professional here, and I am I am uh, I am rigged to handle all of those uh, type of things, just like being your family physician. <laughs> uh, but thanks a lot again to uh, Dr. Reed Blackwelder. Follow him on Twitter at uh, Blackwelder MD. Also check out his uh, very impressive, very extensive biography at uh, aafp.org just put his uh, name reed blackwelder in the uh, search bar uh, there and check out his uh, essay again on the aafp leader voices blog from uh, may 9 2012 the title is students and residents stand up and make a difference for family medicine uh, coming up on this show uh, in the next couple of uh, next, maybe uh, next few weeks, uh, I still haven't nailed down the dates yet. Will be uh, Dr. Conrad Fleck and Dr. Laura Noble, also from the AAFP Board of Directors, to talk about their respective essays on the AAFP uh, Leader Voices blog. Thank you, everybody, for joining me live, and of course, I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast on the archive portion as well. I really appreciate everybody uh, giving support to the show giving support to social media in family medicine because uh, I think it's the future and family uh, family medicine needs to be on top of this and family physicians need to be leaders uh, about this as well. Check out my digital library at Stuff at FamilyMedicineRocks.com. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Mike Savella. And uh, check out the Facebook page for this show. Um, it's uh, Facebook.com slash FamMedRocks. We'll close out the show here with uh, our good friends, the Revolve Band. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've saved all of their uh, things that they have out there. So revolveband.com. It's Ray Sapatelli and the boys uh, out there. I want to go out there to New Jersey and see them live uh, one of these dates. It's going to be um, a, a good time. Uh, so, uh, hey, have a great day. And, uh, hey, it's my birthday coming up this weekend. So those of you who follow me on Twitter and on Facebook, uh, you'll see all of the evidence out there. Uh, what happens on my birthday will probably end up on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> my name is Mike Savella. Have a great day. Have a great weekend, uh, everybody. And uh, we will talk to you all very soon. Here is Revolve to end the show. Have a good day, everybody. See ya. <laughs>